So I think the first question that anyone needs to ask themselves is like, what is your goal? And then from there, I think you have to make a decision about sort of what path do you want to go down? Do you want to go down this sort of traditional publishing path or this self-publishing path? You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another fun episode of Fit Mafra Podcast. So this is a big treat because we went and looked at the top 15 episodes for 2019 and Alan's episode on his book on creative. I actually have it. I should, I'm going to bring, bring that up. <laughs> I have his book over here. And it was about like the whole framework that he talked about the creative work, like how creativity happens. I even remember talking to my son, Krish, who plays piano where I was telling him, he's like, I can't do this. I'm like, Beth Owen didn't do it. He's like, yeah. how do you know? I'm like, I know because Alan wrote in his book. Yeah, <laughs> like how he became a great like person. So anyway, so we have Alan Gannett. You know, most people know him. I think he needs no introduction. But Alan, share something that you haven't shared with a lot of folks and, and, and just introduce, like, what are you up to lately? Sure. So my background is I ran for a long time a company called TrackMaven, which is a marketing analytics company, became part of Skyward, which is a content uh, marketing platform. And fun fact, I originally grew up in New Jersey. I don't know. That's not that fun. I'm half Turkish. People don't tend to know that. But my mom immigrated from Turkey in the 70s. And uh, yeah, I'm just as Turkish as I am anything else. And that's the fun facts I have, I guess. And then what am I up to now? Oof. Um, trying to figure that out. So, you know, I'm leaving Track Maven Skyward after seven and a half years of working on this stuff. And I think my next task is figuring out what my next task is. I feel like, you know, I sort of, I started track maybe when I was really young, sort of spent my 20s growing up and at the same time building this company. And there's a lot of lessons learned. And so I think a lot of it is about like, how do I want to apply that going forward? Whether that's another startup, maybe it's a book, maybe it's, you know, a project, maybe it's a sharp left term, you know, I don't know. That's cool, man. And I love, I mean, I think you were the very first person that I know of that started the Alan Ask kind of thing. And that just blew up. Like, was that really, was that one of your social things that actually you think that just blew you on the, on the internet, if you will, on the special LinkedIn? Because Sangram's talking about, for those of you who haven't seen it, I do on LinkedIn, these little videos called hashtag Alan Ask, where it's, you know, 90 seconds or shorter little videos where I'm asking a thought leader a question and Posted on LinkedIn, really short, really consumable, really snackable. I've done them with everyone from like Mark Cuban to like Kobe Bryant and sort of everything in between. Um, and it was definitely like a right time, right place sort of thing. Like I did it right when LinkedIn was launching video into beta. I had access. So there was like also just like not everyone had access. And I sort of knew that like snackable video was working really well on Facebook. So like obviously it would work well on LinkedIn. And then I'm also like a natural extrovert. And so I spent a lot of time meeting people. And I was like, well, like, I'm always on meetings. I should just like ask people, like yeah. when I'm meeting with them, if we can record a video. And at first people were like, what? And then people were sort of like, okay. And, uh, and yeah, so I started doing it. I've done two a week, almost every week without stop for two years now. Being kind of crazy. And it's like, I don't know the exact view number, but the last time I asked LinkedIn to look, they went and had the video team do the math. And it was something over 5 million views. This was like six or seven months that. ago. So yeah. yeah, so it's been a, it's like a really good experience. 
Awesome. So within all the things that start up, you wrote a book. And what I wanted to spend time today, because I get asked this all the time, is like, well, how do you write a book? Like, what, what's the process for it? How long does it take? Who do you write yourself? Or was a ghostwriter? How did you get into a publishing world? And you have done really well. I mean, your book has done really good out there. I think last time I checked, there's like over 200, 300 reviews on your book. So you clearly have been out there, done it. You got a real, it's not a self-published book. You actually got a publisher for it. So walk us through, like, you know, just a very early, somebody's literally saying, all right, Alan, I have an idea. I think my idea is brilliant. Like everybody thinks that idea is brilliant anyway. I have an idea. My idea is brilliant. What do I do? So I think there's a whole bunch of questions that I always talk about when anyone ever asks me this, which is like, one is like, what is your goal? Because I think that really determines it. Like, is your goal to be a professional writer? Is your goal to build your business? Is your goal to change minds? Like, those are all very different goals. And that, I think, shapes, like, the following questions. So for me, like, I had always loved writing. Like, I had written a column for fastcommunity.com for a long time. And, like, I had always done these things. And it was a fun outlet for me. But my goal was really about building the profile of the business and of me to help the business. Like, that was the ultimate goal. And so... I started working on it. It was interesting as my book ended up becoming more of a crossover book is what they call it, where it was, it was applied, it was a business publisher, but it ended up getting interest from people who are also sort of in the mainstream, which was sort of a fun you know, thing to see happen. Yeah. But because that was my goal, that then determines a whole bunch of decisions, right? And so one of them for me was about, okay, if you're using the book to help build a platform, then um, credibility is important. And so I wanted to try and get a traditional publisher because, you know, I, you know, don't have the credibility that someone's written five books, you know, has, for example. And so the first step there was about, we can talk about more of this in detail, but when you want to go the traditional publishing route, it really starts with getting an agent and then sort of goes from there. We can talk more about that. On the other hand, if your goal is really about changing minds, then self-publishing is actually often the way to go because, he seems like James Altucher wrote the book, Choose Yourself, sold 600,000 copies. You know, it's become a very sort of like, it's become a very modern classic in self-help, self-published because he was able to, you know, as a result, sell it very cheaply, get people to download it, do like, you know, Amazon advertising, all these things to help people actually get excited about it. And so um, that's a very different model. So I think the first question that anyone needs to ask themselves is like, what is your goal? And then from there, I think you have to make a decision about sort of what path do you want to go down? Do you want to go down this sort of traditional publishing path or this self-publishing path? Gotcha. And now, if, you know, as you know, like I've written two books and all both the books were for the business, right? Like I, it wasn't about me trying to make money. It was more of like, this is like the best business card that we can possibly create to hand over. Nobody throws a book away. And it has been working phenomenal. Now, would you... If somebody's doing it for their business and you, you know, like they're probably going to give out maybe 5,000 copies, like that's pretty much the extent of how much they might actually give away for free because that's all they want every single person to have it. Should they even go with a public, like an agent and get it published like you did? Or should they just go ahead and write a write on Amazon? I think it depends. I mean, I think if you can, I think it's worth doing because I do think right now the volume of self-published books is going up. So I do think it's like a positive characteristic that people are like, oh, like, a, you know, a traditional publisher is publishing it. Like that's like a sort of positive social signal. And the other thing is that the publishers push you. So like one of the things, for example, is that the book became 
sort of like originally was very much a business book and a marketing book and became a little bit broader than that. It kind of started bordering to self-help, which was really powerful and actually made the book, I think, do a lot better because it really had more resonance with people, including with marketers and creatives and people in business. And that was something that, you know, having a publisher, they sort of push you in certain directions and they nudge you and that nudging made the book better. And I think ultimately actually made it resonate more with like the underlying original goal. So I think if possible, uh, traditional publishing is like a great way to go. I think if it's something that's not possible, I think self-publishing can work really well, especially if you're building a book as part of sort of a marketing plan for a business. Yeah, uh, got you. That, that's great. Now, how long did it take for you to actually write the book? Did you write it? Did you have somebody help you? How does that work? Yeah, great question. So I was doing it while I had a day job. And so I decided, I made the decision to write it myself, which I don't judge anyone who uses a ghostwriter. Like, I think it's perfectly acceptable, like if that's how they want to do it. But for me, there was just something about like, I wanted to like learn how to do this skill. Um, What I did do though, is I took my time. So it took me a long time to do it because pretty much my like writing time was like Sundays and like, you know, sometimes late evenings or like an airplane trip, right? And then I also hired a full-time research assistant who helped me a ton with just like curating research, going out and finding research, doing that kind of thing. And that was something where I couldn't have done it with a full-time job without having that person, where that allowed me to really just focus on the actual like thinking about the book and the organizing the writing and get off my plate a lot of the tedious stuff. Like, okay, if I do an interview, getting it transcribed, but then synthesizing like what are the biggest points or what are the best quotes from it? Like stuff right. like that is very, very time consuming in the writing process. And so having a research assistant, that was like a huge game changer and let me do it. But to answer your question, I think I started thinking about the book like mid 2015. I got an agent in maybe like April, 2016. Mm. We got a publisher, November, 2016. And the book came out June 2018. So wow. it's like a long journey. Yeah. Like it is not a overnight thing. It's like that's and that's one of the big downsides of traditional publishing is they have very, very long publishing cycles because they expect to do a lot of editing, because they do a bigger production run, because they have a lot of they want to, you know, get the book printed for press, you know, six months before so they can try and get those big press articles. So it definitely is like it's a journey. It's not a six month endeavor. Yeah, I love that. Now, you mentioned about also, I love, I mean, oh, this is such a big, hopefully nobody misses this, the research assistant, because I think somebody has to be full-time. Like if it's not you as a writer, then you need a, you need to get a ghost. In my case, what I did was I literally hired somebody for a week. And, and for me, I was writing about B2B. I'm like, I need to have a comedian. So I literally hired a, a comedian writer for the book. Love that. Because I'm like, all right, like, I literally say, all right, here's what we're going to say. Leaves, uh, you know, that we need to focus on accounts, turn this into something. And he said, all right, some accounts deserve champagne, some deserve sparkling water. I'm like, <laughs> so we literally sat down and I wrote my ideas and I said, turn this into something funny. Or, I love so, that. That allowed me that, that outlet of like, all right, we'll take, the, the, take it from boring to boring B2B to like, like, like really blockbuster to blockbuster and it helped. But if he wasn't there, I think it would have been like, I've been bored out of my own mind writing. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a matter of like, I always think about with any creative task and writing a book, very much creative task, like doing a very like 
very serious and critical self-assessment of your strengths and weaknesses yeah. and like, and also your resources. Right. And, you know, when you're running a company, it's like, you're pretty short on time resources, but I had some money saved up and I was able to use my own money to hire a research assistant to help, which allowed me to do this, which was a, which was both like emotionally, intellectually fulfilling, but also helped the company. And, you know, it wasn't like, you know, it was like six or nine months of like that help. It wasn't crazy. And so like that to me was like something where it really unlocked a lot of ability, but like, cause I knew that time was my biggest constraint, right? That was my biggest, my biggest sort of issue. Yeah. I love that. All right. So now going from like, all right, you have a book idea, you figure out if you want to go self-publish based on where you, how far you want to go versus like going to a traditional, which can take more time. Uh, we need to hire somebody. If you're not full-time, then get somebody who can be a full-time support for you, whatever that means for you, either a writer or a research assistant. What's next? So if you go the traditional route, if you go the traditional route, the sort of first step is getting an agent and writing a proposal. And usually what that looks like is you might write like a two-page summary of the book and you want to get introduced to agents. So it's similar to like a startup, like you'd ask other founder friends to introduce you to their investors. You would ask other author friends to like introduce you to their agent. And what you want to get is an agent who gets excited by the concept, gets excited about working with you. And at that point, they usually sign you and you work on a proposal. So one of the cool things in nonfiction that people don't understand is that you don't actually have to write the book before you get a publisher. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you write a proposal, which is usually about two sample chapters, an overview, a table of contents, a marketing plan, a author bio, and some other sort of sections. And um, you work with an agent, a good agent will help you really craft that proposal and get that really right. And that's really important. So then once you have the proposal, then what happens is your agent will go and send it to publishers and the publishers who are interested and want to learn more will set up meetings where they then sort of meet you and sort of like almost like a pitch meeting where you sort of are pitching the concept of the book in more detail. And then publishing agreements sort of are all sort of all over the place and very different, but also in some ways very similar. But these days there's some new publishing houses that are taking sort of new approaches to how they do it. And we can talk more about that. But the main way you do it, if you're going the traditional route, is first getting a good agent, crafting a great proposal, and then sending it to publishers and you know, hoping that ideally multiple of them are excited and want to publish the book. Awesome. Now, one thing that you have done masterfully that I've not seen many people do is the amount of reviews um, that you got on, on, on your book. Now, obviously, like as I went about it, like, you know, it, it's hard to, to figure out how do you get reviews. And then you look at some of them like, wait a minute, how do they get some people got a thousand reviews? I'm like, wait a minute, how is that possible? And, and unless you are like Patrick Lencioni, unless you are like John C. Maxwell or something like that, or Seth Godin, it is hard for people like first-time, first-time people to write books and get reviews and stuff. Was there a process you applied for that? Yeah, great question. So the book has on Amazon like 430 reviews. I think there's like 800 on Goodreads. It's five-star average on Amazon. It's four on Goodreads. Goodreads is like very hard to have like is like very hard to have five stars. Uh, it's always considered like, it's like, ah, Goodreads. But basically what I did was just, I had, you know, when you write a book, you get what's called galleys. Um, there's actually a copy here. So a galley is, it's like a paperback copy printed on pretty thin paper. Yeah. And it's printed almost sort of like the equivalent of like the publisher's laser printer. Mm-hmm. And they're printed before the book comes out. You send them to people and you basically, it's like, 
people who you think might buy bulk copies, book you for speaking, people who you think are sort of influential, blah, blah, blah. I also sent them to a bunch of like CEO friends and founder friends. And uh, I did a couple of things. So one is on the day that the book launched, um, one of my asks to my network was, hey, if you read the book, if you read an early copy of the book, because a lot of people had gotten early copies, please go and leave an Amazon review. And that meant within the first week, I got to 100 reviews. And then the... um, from there, basically all it was, was anytime anyone said anything positive to me about the book, I have like a lot of discipline about asking them to write a review. So if, when I get a note that someone's like, hey, I read the book, I really enjoyed it. Every single time, I'm like, that's awesome. Here's what would be really helpful. Would you mind leaving a review on Amazon? And I tell them why it's helpful. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, we live in sort of an algo world and it really actually does move the needle yeah. and people do it. And yeah. I've just done that now for a year and a half with a lot of discipline. And I think it starts with like, people don't seem to hate the book, which is good. But like when people give you positive feedback about the book, like that's a moment to, you know, connect and you as the author, I think have the ability to ask for something small, in which case leaving a review is a, you know, two minute task and people are more than happy and more than willing to do it. That's great. That's all. How many books did you send as like copies, free copies to get people to do a lot? So usually people send about a hundred. Yeah. Uh, we sent about 800, yeah. which is a lot more than normal. But a big part of my book, like I talk a lot about how, like one of the things that people mess up when it comes to creative projects, is just how hard the sort of marketing exposure side of it is, how much you have to push. And so I had uh, asked the publisher and successfully that, hey, like I know a lot of people who I think would be influential if they had a copy, but I, all I need for you to do is to print it and mail it. and I sent, I made a list. I showed it to them. I explained why these people made sense. And they were like, okay. And so they printed it. And so one of the big things with, you know, marketing a book, and we can talk about that at length is like, it's pretty self-directed by the author. And mm-hmm. so like traditional publishers are pretty open to ideas, but you have to be the one saying, Hey, like I have this list of people who I know, can we mail them books? Right. They're not going to sit there and come up with names for it. Yeah, yeah. Now that, I mean, that is, I mean, I think this is what people, I mean, it's, it's almost like there's a art to it and there's science to it. And a lot of times we get wrapped up into like, well, I got this idea. And I, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was because, no, that, that's great. You have an idea and now you need like all these other elements around it. And if you're not ready for it, it's extremely hard. Find somebody who would partner up with you and do all that for you if you can't think about it. Because it can totally suck you into like, wait a minute, am I a writer or (laughs) like a business guy or am I a marketer? I have a day job. You could be surrounded and that's why people don't write or leave it halfway. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly right. And sort of what I, the approach I took was like, this is not my job. So the, you know, any money I got from the publisher, I used to hire like a PR firm and marketing help and that kind of stuff. And I sort of viewed it as like a way to invest in the book and the platform that it was building. And again, it was like time was my big constraint and that was like very useful. And so a lot of these things are not necessarily things that are like hard to do. They're just time consuming to do. Yeah. So for anybody, if you haven't checked out, go check out the Creative Curve book by Alan. Uh, It's fantastic. So I got a couple of big notes and I would love for you to give a challenge to a new author. Like, you know, somebody's like thinking about like, all right, I got to do this thing. I want to do this thing. What is the couple of things they need to think through? I mean, I think that the first thing that I would do is read a lot of books in your sort of desired genre and have a really good understanding of what's already been done and 
be really self-critical about how is your idea sort of new and different and fresh, right? Because I think there are literally millions and millions of books. There's, you know, I don't know the exact number, but it's probably hundreds of thousands of new books published a year at this, this point. And so the big issue that people have is like, they see a book that's popular and they write a book that's similar to it. Cause like, Oh, that's a good idea. But the issue is like, there's already a book there, right. That already covered, like that's not actually where there's white space. And so I think it's really important to be incredibly self-critical about your idea and the sort of the opportunity for your idea to really set sail. Love it, man. Alan, thank you so much, man. Always, always fun to have you. And I love this idea and can't wait for what your next chapter is. Thanks, bud. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.